We have fun at Hanukkah, and we should. We should. Actually, in the, in the Jewish tradition, Hanukkah, and we'll, you'll learn about it today, Hanukkah is seen as a second Sukkot. And it was at one time even called the Sukkot of Kislev. So we're in the ninth month of Kislev, and it was called that because it was seen as a second Sukkot because um, Sukkot is a time of thanksgiving and a type of joy, uh, of praise, and, uh, and a time that the temple was dedicated on, the first temple um, by Solomon was dedicated on, on, Sukkot, on Sukkot. So today we're going to do a, a little teaching, and I hope you learned something, you learned something new. Um, if you have questions, I am here, Pastor Lisa's here. Of course, she'll probably send you to me, but, um, and also, I want to say thank you to hear, seeing Max today. Um, it's, it's a blessing to have you in the service, and our new friend, I think it's Robert, correct? Um, glad to have you today. We're, we're just so blessed, and uh, like Pastor Lisa said, we are excited about this time of year. So, let's look at a scripture day in John chapter 10, just try to give you a little frame of reference for why would a church, and we don't call ourselves a church, we call ourselves a congregation, but church congregation is really the same thing. It's just, it's a verbiage. Um, why would a church choose to celebrate Hanukkah? Why, why are we even doing it? Um, it's not the most common thing for churches to do, although more and more churches are beginning to embrace um, Hanukkah. And especially once they find out the, that Hanukkah is actually celebrated by our Lord. It's, he's celebrated by Yeshua, Jesus. So look in John chapter 10, verse 22. And, and if this stuns you, it's okay. Because I didn't know it was in the Bible at one time as well. So look, it says, John chapter 10, 22. Then came Hanukkah. It was winter in Jerusalem. Yeshua was walking in the temple around Solomon's colonnade. So just seeing that scripture should alert you that um, Yeshua Jesus, who um, obviously is Jewish, and obviously Hanukkah uh, for the Jewish people, it, it started before Yeshua was born. So, and I'll tell you when it happened and, and a little bit later, but he celebrated Hanukkah because this is what the Jews did. Josephus, the famous historian, he tells us that they simply called it lights or the festival of lights. And where is Yeshua on Hanukkah? He's at the temple. What happens to Jesus or Yeshua during um, this discourse in John chapter 10? couple things they ask him. They ask him in John chapter 10, and I'll, this is your homework. You can see all the things that, that were going on when Yeshua was in the temple at Hanukkah. They asked him plainly. They said, are you the Messiah? So they wanted to know if Jesus was the Messiah, and when were they asking that? They were asking it at Hanukkah. There is a tradition that Messiah is going to be hidden, but be revealed in 
the time of Hanukkah. It's a tradition, but it seems to actually have been carried out. So in John chapter 10, Yeshua talks about some things. He talks about being a good shepherd. He talks about being the door or the gate of the sheep. He speaks of another fold of sheep um, that will Will, that he will event that will be a united to the current fold of sheep, and there's going to be one flock, and there's going to be one shepherd. And so you got to understand that shepherd is an, is an understanding of God. Now think about this. Did they not have Psalms 23 in John chapter 10 when Yeshua is in the temple? So what is... What is Psalms 23? Is that your most famous psalm, right? I, right, right? The Lord is what? My. And so they asked him, are you the Messiah? And he's talking about, I'm the good shepherd. So he's basically saying, I'm Messiah. And you go back to the writing, um, uh, the prayer of Jacob. Jacob says, he, he talks about the, the shepherd, the, the great shepherd, the stone of Israel. So let me just show you in the Hebrew what the word Hanukkah means. Um, it's, Hanukkah is H2593. You know we're going to give you the Strong's references. It's, the root is Hanik, Hanik. And it means um, initiated, practiced, trained, instructed, a trained servant, a tried or experienced. So the word Hanukkah has to do with practicing, training, instruction, um, and ex uh, being tried, if you will. And the first mention of this word is in the story of Abraham where he arms his Hanik servants, his trained servants, to go and bring back a lost sheep by the name of Lot, all right, and to rescue him. So it's very interesting. So it says, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 318, and he pursued them even unto Dan. And my thinking is this, perhaps even the Abraham story, pursuing the wicked kings and rescuing Lot can be similar to what Mattathias and, and Judah of Maccabee do um, in the story of Hanukkah. So I, I just, it's very similar. So the root word in Hebrew is Hanach, and it means literally to train to dedicate or to inaugurate. So Hanukkah has to do with training, dedicating, inaugurating. And the first time Hanukkah is used in the Bible, other than that time about Abraham, which isn't the root word, it's about dedicating a house. So do you want your house to be dedicated to God? Apparently, God wants all our homes to be dedicated to him, not just the temple house, but our individual house. And here in Deuteronomy 20, verse 5, it says, The officers shall speak to the people, saying, What man is that has built a new house and has not Hanuk dedicated it? Let him go return to his house. Let him die in battle. And another man Hanuk or dedicate it. So the... The first mention is about dedicating your house. So in a sense, can you understand that you also are a house? You live in a house, but you, your body is a house. So you want your house to be what? Hanuk, dedicated, inaugurated, you know, um, trained to follow God. 
The second and third mention of this word have to do with not a dedicating of your personal house, but the dedication of the temple. And at the dedication of the temple, when Solomon dedicated the temple, the children of Israel, um, they dedicated the temple, like I said earlier on Sukkot, but they brought shalom offerings. They brought peace offerings because they wanted wholeness. They want, and that's what the temple does. When we're part of the, God's temple, when we, with the restoration of the temple that will happen, it will bring wholeness even into the world. The fourth mention, and the final mention I'll talk about today of Hanukkah or Hanukkah is found in the book of Proverbs. And so this is the mention about training your children. Pastor Lisa loves this. So Proverbs 22.6, it says, train up or hanik, hanich, a, a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. And I love it. And I think it's necessary. I think if there's any a time that you need to be training your children, Hanukkah is a great time to do it. Hanukkah is a great time to get them started if you've not already started. And I hope you've already started. But Hanukkah is a great time because it literally means to train and to dedicate. So the whole Hanukkah story is about dedication, rededication. We know that, um, and, and I want to challenge you, if you've never read, this is not a Bible book. This is an extra, um, this is not Bible, but this is history. History book for you to read, First and Second Maccabees. You can find them on the internet. If you can't find it, I will send you the PDF copy because in the first, and I went to Hebrew school, just so you know, I'm Jewish, born Jewish, went to four years of Hebrew school. When I went to Hebrew school, they, we would read the book of Maccabees because you're not going to find the entire story of Hanukkah in the Old and New Testaments. And one of the reasons you're not going to find it is because it happened after the Old and New Testament was written. So you're going to find it in the history book of First and Second Maccabees, and it's a great read, and I think you'll enjoy reading it. I just encourage you to do that. Now, there's hints of the Hanukkah um, in, the, in the Bible, and we'll talk about that a little later. But it, you're not going to get the full understanding of it because it didn't happen until between the time that the Old Testament was finished and it happened between the time that the New Testament started. So you have this 400 years, if you will, of what's called intertestamental period. And in that time, um, about 164 to 167 is the day of the Hanukkah story. Anyway, but in the, in the, the Bible that we're going to talk about today, since Hanukkah is about the light, it's, it's important that we know what is that light. What, what do we mean when we talk about the light? What, do we, what does the light mean? Because the, the, the scriptures is full of metaphors, full of, of, of understanding of like the light, the menorah. Because, okay, so just let me explain. I know they got the menorah in the back. The word menorah in the Hebrew is like a contraction of a word. So it's men nor ra. And so when you see the men prefix, one of the ways you can translate men is by which, that's one way, or you can translate it the means by which. And then you have the middle part or the root of the word, the shoresh, which is nair, which is light. 
So menorah means the means by which light is accomplished. Can you see that? Menorah, the means by which the light is accomplished. So light needs something to shine um, through. So it needs a, a vehicle, if you will, and the vehicle of light is the menorah. I call the menorah, you don't have to call it this, I firmly believe that menorah, another way of looking at the menorah is it, it is an actual tree of light. And I have the tree of light in my home. I'm just letting you know. And you should too. Okay, look in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And I also have it in my heart. Hallelujah. John 8, 12. So Yeshua spoke to him. I'm going to try to move quick because I got, I got a lot, but it, it, I always have a lot. So you are not going anywhere. John 8, 12. What Jesus said, Yeshua said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light which gives light. Look in Romans 13. So if Yeshua is the light, but if you believe in him, you have that light. You have that light, and that light brings life. Look in Romans 13. The night is, is almost gone, and the day is near. Let us put off the works of darkness and put on the what? The armor of light. The, oh, you're going to love this. Let us walk properly as in the day, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and envy. I didn't mean you're not going to love that part. Instead, put on, you're going to put on who? You're going to put on the Lord Messiah Yeshua and stop making provision for the flesh and its cravings. So there's an understanding there. When you put on the Lord... When you put on Yeshua, you're putting on an armor of light. I want you, when you put on the Lord in your life, when you accept the Lord in your life, you are putting an armor on. You are putting a, a um, fortification on your life, and it's an armor of what? Of light. Now, this is interesting because it could be a hinting to the Garden of Eden before the fall. Because before the fall of man, before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the skin of the, the man and the woman is believed to be a garment of light. So when you put on Yeshua, you're going back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, their skin was, a, was a, an armor of light. Now, you say, Pastor Ken, that's crazy. Where do you get that? Well, there's hinting of this in the scriptures. The Hebrew word for light and skin is so similar. And they share two of the same three letters in the Hebrew. They are even pronounced the exact same way. So the way you pronounce skin is the same way you pronounce light. Is that not a hint? Light is or. You can see the aleph, right? The vuv, the, the, the resh from illumination or a luminary in every sense, including lightning, happiness. Oh, I love that. Hallelujah. The light, bright, clear, day, lightning, morning, sun. Now look at skin. Look at skin. It's how's it pronounced? The same exact way. Or. Two letters are the same. The vuv and the resh are the same. The only difference is the, the, the word for light has an aleph and the word for skin has a ayin. 
and skin could be as naked by implication to hide leather, hide leather or skin. So when we put on Messiah's clothes and his armor made of light, when we put that on, I believe we are stepping back into the Garden of Eden the way God created us to be. Hallelujah. Look at the word for armor. Pastor Lisa was mentioning part of our armor to lift up the shield of faith. But the light is an armor. While we cel we're celebrating light today, we're celebrating the, the Hanukkah light, the light that is an armor. And it means to be busy about an implement or utensil or tool, literally or figuratively, especially offensive. Wow. Offensive for war. Are we not in war? Oh, armor, instrument, we it's a weapon. Arms used in warfare or weapons. So you put on Yeshua, you're putting on this armor of light, and it's an arsenal, if you will. It's a weapon that you're, it's an offensive weapon. The light is offensive. I like that. Because the menorah in the temple always gave light in front of it. It wasn't about shining behind you. The light in the temple was to give light. See, you're a menorah, right? I'm a menorah. So wherever we go, we, and we're wearing the armor of light. We, in other words, we're protected. But we're also bringing, we're on the offense. Did not Yeshua say that light overcomes darkness? And the darkness can't put the light out. So wherever you go, you're bringing light into the room. You're bringing Yeshua. You're bringing God's light. You're offensive. You're being offensive about it. And I don't mean offensive. You're being offensive. So, listen, we're going to play pickleball tomorrow in tennis. And you can, you can be offensive then. That's fine. <laughs> so remember that the altar, the altar is a place that we build up our spiritual arsenal through worship, through prayer through praise and presentation of our lives and, and our gifts that we give back to God. So the, the altar, the altar too, is a way that that light shines brighter and brighter through us as we connect with God. And this light that we're talking about, the light of an armor, it makes me think of the whole um, Hanukkah story because in the story of Hanukkah, the Maccabees refused to allow their personal lights to be put out by the Greeks or the Syrian Greeks or the Seleucids that they call themselves. So in the story of Hanukkah, the people, there was a people that were on the offense, that had the armor, that wouldn't let the Greek Syrian um, uh, evil ways put their light out. They would not let it do. They wouldn't, they kept, they kept being on, the, they were on the offense. Now eventually what happens? Eventually, Metateus, who's the son of a priest, takes his family and those who will follow with him, which is a very small remnant of people, because mo a lot of the people, they don't, I, I, you already know this, but just, most people, they don't want to fight. It's hard to stand up against the government. You haven't found that out? Do you ever win? I mean, it's very rarely. You, you know, they say you can't sue the government, you can't sue, sue pharmaceutical companies, I mean, So eventually what these guys chose to do, they chose to flee to the Judean mountains so they could build, they could still do the right things. And then they would rage, wage what, you, what 
they didn't have the term for it back then, but we would call it, they waged guerrilla warfare back against the Syrian Greeks. And the crazy thing is, is that the small group from the Judean desert was, was overcoming the, the, the armies and the fortifications and all their weapons. It, they were defeating them over and over and over again. And i just tell you one caveat to that. The one time they lost was the time that they refused to fight because it was Shabbat. And then they realized, because this is, this is not happening, this is not the playbook, the Yom Kippur War. What were the people doing in Israel back in the 70s? They're in temple, they're praying, they're fasting. They're not thinking about fighting and and they don't really want to fight because it's a ho the holiest day of the year but when is the enemy going to attack when he knows you can't fight let me just throw this out at you one of the understandings of the word hanukkah one of, if you take and divide it hen is grace nuach is rest and you can say they, God gave them grace to, and to have rest from their enemies. And I believe God will give us grace to rest from the, our enemies. And he's going to fight for us. We don't have to go out on, and I think even on Shabbat, that's why we're here. We're going to worship and we're going to pray. And I believe God's going to protect us um, in this time. So look at Matthew chapter 5. I don't know where I was going with that, but... It's okay. They, 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 they made a stand. But not everybody did. Like I said, basically the, the, they fled on 167 B.C. on Kislev the 25th. They fled on the day that the temple was desecrated with, by an offering of a swine on the altar. And when that event happened, that's when they fled, and then three years later to the day, they are going to light the menorah again and start the temple service back again, and they are going to initiate it by this eight-day holiday. There's something I want to tell you that I found out when I studied that I didn't realize. Israel has so far has had two temples, not including the tabernacle in the wilderness, but they had two temples. They both were destroyed on the same day, the ninth of Av. Not a coincidence. But in this, when Israel was rebuilding the second temple, they laid the foundation and dedicated it on the day of the 24th of Kislev. The day before Hanukkah. There wasn't a Hanukkah yet, but they dedicated. So the second temple was dedicated on the 24th day. And the scriptures kind of, it's hard to figure out what happened because it, when they talk about it, they say, from this day forward or from this day. So you're not sure, was it the 24th or was it starting on the 25th? But it was a point in history in the Hebrew calendar. It's in the book of Haggai. There's the 24th of Kislev, the ninth month, and it is a day of dedication. 
So think about it. So when the enemy comes in to defile the temple, what day does he choose to defile the temple? The day of dedication. And then three years later, Judah Maccabee, knowing what Haggai said, knowing that the second temple foundation was laid and dedicated on Hanukkah, they inaugurated it, they repeated it, they did it again. We know, you know what we teach you in, in, at Save the Nations. What happened before is going to happen again. I won't go there now. But it, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Okay. So, Matthew 5. Let's keep moving. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't put your light or, or lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand so it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Today, what, we're, what are we talking about? We're talking about shining the light of Yeshua through the menorah, through miracles. We want to shine our light. Yeshua said, you're the light of the world. You need to not hide your light. You need to put it on a table. Don't hide it under anything. The menorah light has to have, it needs to shine. It needs to shine brightly. So according to Yeshua, our light is seen when we do what is good, people cannot see light if you're not doing good things. We've got to be about the good things that God has foreordained for us to walk in. Every one of us need to be doers of good. If you never heard this before, you're in the wrong church. You're going to hear it here. You, we have to be doing good. If anyone's going to set the example of what, what does light look like, Yeshua said light looks like this. They're going to see the good things that you do. And when they see the good things you do, they're, gonna, they're not going to praise you. They're going to glorify the Father. They're going to say, that don't make any sense. Why would they even do that? Because that person is connected to Daddy. And they're letting Daddy's light shine through them. They're going to be good to those who persecute them, to those who hate them. They're going to cover the naked, right? They're going to feed the hungry. We're going to, be, we're going to take care of the widows, the stranger, the orphan, the poor. We, this is something to do all year round. Pastor Lisa, I know she forgot to mention it, but we have a Hanukkah offering that we're taking to help the kids in Israel. And I'm going to encourage every person, give something. We, there's a paper on your, on your, on your, on your uh, seat, hopefully, about the Hanukkah offering. It's going to a, a congregation that is 30 miles from Gaza, and they're helping kids that are Jewish, and they're helping kids that aren't Jewish. And the, and the, the, the minister, the one who oversees the congregation, he said, he said, Pastor Ken, he says, we need help for our kids. I said, done. We're going to, our congregation is going to do our part. So I'm going to encourage every person to do your part. If you didn't give today, it's okay. I'm going to keep this open till the end of the month. When it, when it comes in, we're going to send it to them. Whatever comes in, we're going to send it to them. We don't matter if we send them two, three, four times. It doesn't matter to me. Let's bless our kids. Amen. Why? We say, Pastor Ken, why? Because that's part of letting our light shine. That's part of the good works. Okay, so Yeshua is on the earth. Here's what he does. Look in, look in John chapter 9. Yeshua is passing by. He saw a man who had been blind since birth. 
You're going to love it. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Typical religion, right? You should, we want to know why, you know. <laughs> Yeshua answered, Google it, right? right? <laughs> Siri, why was this guy born blind? <laughs> you guys are laughing, but Yeshua, <laughs> Yeshua answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened. Look, he says, this happened so that the works of God might be brought to light in him. He needs light in his life. He's blind. He can't see. He needs some good thing happening to him. What's the best, what's the best thing you could do for a blind man? Give him the power to see. Heal them. And look what Yeshua says. We must do the work of the one who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Yeshua did a good work. He let his light shine. He brought light to the man who was blind. Look in Luke 11. No one who has kindled a lamp hides it or places it under a bowl. Rather, he puts it on a stand so that one coming in may see its light. The lamp of the body is the eye. When you have a good eye, that's when you're generous. The whole body is full of light. When you're evil eye, when you are stingy, your body is full of darkness. So take care that the light in you is not darkness. If then, if your whole body is filled with light with no dark part, it will be wholly lighted. And when a brightly lit lamp, as when a brightly lit, lit lamp shines on you. He says, shine your light, put it on a hill. Have a, have a good eye because your, your, the lamp of the body is the eye and a good eye in the Hebrew was generosity. If you were, even, even what, you're, what we call tzedakah. If, I, if you look at the Hebrew word tzedakah, you know what it means? Righteousness. You ask a Jewish person, what is tzedakah? They'll say giving to help the needy. It's both. It's not one or the other because God, God expects part of us walking in righteousness is we're going to give. We're going to be a blessing. Why? Because Abraham was a blessing. Isaac was a blessing. Jacob was a blessing. Yeshua, everybody, we're blessing. We're, we're blessed to be a blessing. So he, Yeshua says you got you to gotta get that lamp high so people could see it. There's a, isn't there another time where it says, you know, the, the light's like a city on a hill so that all could see it. So the lamp is called by Yeshua an eye. The lamp is an eye or it's a window to your, what do, you, what do we say? What is the eye? It's a window to your soul. Your appetites, your emotions, your desire, your intellect, your affections. What's important to you is your soul. It, and it says your, your eye is a window, if you will, to your soul. If, if, if you're generous, if you're kind, if you're giving, then you're connected to the way of the Messiah. Your light is shining. But if you're, if you're stingy, if you're tight, and, and I'm not talking about today just money. I, please don't think about it's only money. Money's part of it because money reveals the heart. But we should be generous in everything. We need to be kind. We need to be. So Pastor Lisa said this is a great time. To let your light shine. If you see somebody limping, don't walk by. Hey, can I pray for you? 
somebody, where we live, we, we have elevators, right? And, and, and um, can I hold the elevator open for you? Can I help you with your package? What are you doing? You're letting your light shine. I can't tell you how many times through these opportunities I've had an opportunity just to be a light and be a blessing to people. And, and they're, like, they're like, who are you? Are you a superhero? No, definitely not. <laughs> no, I'm a believer in Yeshua. <laughs> so in that sense, we're all superheroes, right? So stinginess and selfishness reveals the darkness in our souls, if you will. The lamp has to be lit to, to shine brightly. First, look in 1 John chapter 1. Look what it says. In him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines on in the darkness. And the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it and is unreceptive to it. That's a great translation, right? So Yeshua is the light. But the darkness, the darkness won't even receive that light. It won't even necessarily acknowledge that light. But the, but the darkness also cannot overpower the light. No matter how dark it gets. So do you remember the story in the Bible where the Bible says, and the lamp of God was about to go out? But it didn't. It got dark because people were not following in God's ways. But the more you and I follow in God's ways and we become the light that we're called to be, all of us together, we're going to put on that armor of light and we're going to be a blessing and we're going to celebrate and we're going to talk about the goodness of God and we're not talking about all the negative things. You can, you can go anywhere to do that. But let's talk about, the Bible says, talk about things that are good, that are pleasant, that are lovely, that are of good report. So why do we celebrate Hanukkah? Why would you? Because we're reminding ourselves, we're reminding the world, we're telling them, hey, there's a God who still does miracles. He can take a small group of people, people that are the outcasts, people that are getting swallowed, the, the rest of the people are getting swallowed up by the culture, and God can take a small, oh, and I, I, see, this is why I love the word disruptor. And some people don't like the word disruptor because you're looking at it in a negative sense. Mattathias, the father, and Judah Maccabees, they were disruptors to the system of the world. And the world didn't like it, but God can use a, a, a minority. The Bible doesn't call it minority. You know what the Bible calls us? A remnant, a righteous remnant to disrupt all the nonsense that's going on in the world. And how do you disrupt it? I'm not there at the end of my sermon, but I'm going to show you how we disrupt it. And it's not going to be the way you think. It's not going to be by, by speaking your mind. It's not going to be by going out there and protesting and canceling your culture or whatever. It's not about that stuff. Because that really doesn't work.
So the light of God is in you. The light of God is in me through Yeshua. When you accept the Lord as your life, he gives you his righteousness. He gives you light that shines in the darkness. He's bringing you back to the Garden of Eden. Because that's, through the whole Bible, every story is basically going to tell you one thing. What was lost by Adam and Eve when they ate of the wrong tree, when they come back to the right tree, the tree of, uh, not of knowledge, the tree of the Torah, the tree of light, they're going to eventually get back into that Garden of Eden state. And the thousand year millennial reign of Messiah is going to be like that. So, so before you get discouraged, like Pastor Lee said, she feels it. And Pastor Lee said, you got to understand, she feels everything. And Jane, apparently you do too. So <laughs> she says, pa Pastor, what's wrong today? And I started venting. I was like, I just need some help. And she goes, and I said, then later I said, there's really nothing wrong. I was just venting. But <laughs> of course she had to pick up on it. So look at Proverbs 13.9. It says, the light of the righteous shines brightly. This is our menorah. The lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. It's temporary. Look in Job 18. Indeed, the light of the wicked is snuffed out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. I love it. I love it. So look in John 8, 12. It says, Yeshua spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world, the one who follows me. Now this is big. Now this is getting serious now. You might not have come for this, but you're going to hear it. Lock the door. No. <laughs> the, one, the one who follows me will no longer walk in darkness. This tells you that you don't just say this sinner's prayer and go back to the way you used to be. That's a cheap, we call what cheap grace. It's not even really grace. Because he says, if you follow me, what happens? You'll no longer walk in darkness. You're going to want to start finding, well, who is this Yeshua? Who is this Jesus guy? What did he believe? How did he walk? And that's how Pastor Lisa and I got in this walk. Once we found out Yeshua kept all God's days, worshipped on the Shabbat. The whole book of Acts is the same way. Every disciple, Jew and Gentile, they both, they all went to temple. They all kept the feast days. They, they were all following the Torah. And 1 John says we got to walk as he walked. Once we found out that, my mom told me years ago, she's a Messianic Jew that we led to the Lord. Figure that out. I led, her, I led her to the Lord as a pastor. She says, I can't worship like this. I'm Jewish. She goes messianic and prays for us to be messianic for 20 or 30 years. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. And she said, she said, Ken, it's not the knowledge. Because I had the knowledge. I went to Hebrew school. I even could teach about these things. But it's never, there's no power in teaching. The power is in the walk. When you do it, that's why do Hanukkah. The Jewish tradition, they... Before the time of Yeshua, every, and the people in their homes would take one light, eat, they would light a candle every night, or the oil, every night. 
Later, the tradition expanded, and they realized, hey, let, let's beautify this thing, because that's how it is with God. You don't want to just do the minimum. Let's, let's have a menorah. Let's, let's um, understand what we're really celebrating. And they weren't allowed to bring the, the seven-branch menorah in their home, but there's nothing about a nine-branch menorah that's commemorating it. And that's the nine-branch menorah is the, what's called the Hanukkah. Um, and we'll show you that today, a little later. So, Yeshua is the light, right? Look in Luke chapter 2. This is when Yeshua is dedicated in the temple. He's eight days old. He's uh, dedicated um, and circumcised. Uh, Luke 22, 29. Now, I don't know, according to your word, your servant is at peace and as you let him go. For I have seen with mine own eyes your Yeshua or salvation. Because Yeshua is the, the word salvation. Which you prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now, look what it says. Who is Yeshua? A light that will bring revelation to the goyim the nation, the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. So is Yeshua going to bring the light to the nations, or is Yeshua going to bring the light to Israel? What does it say? So, so now we have the question. We got maybe we have the answer to the question. Why would these, how many people are not Jewish? Raise your hand. Not born Jewish. All right. Just probably at least any Jew, any people that know you're Jewish. All right. Minority, for sure, right? Why would all these former Gentiles be in a congregation that's talking about Hanukkah? Because Hanukkah's Jewish, right? Yes, it is Jewish. But it's not only Jewish. Because Yeshua came to be a light to what? The nations and to Israel. And one of the reasons Yeshua came to be a light to Israel is because Israel stopped being the light they should be. And God said, I'm going to make, I'm going to make them jealous by a nation that wasn't a nation, which is the Gentiles. And they're going to start doing the holidays. And they're going to do it with life. And they're going to do it with heart. And they're going to make the Jewish people jealous. And it's happening. And so if I go to Israel, or if I take you to Israel, I take my wife to Israel, I'm, it's different because I'm born Jewish. It's a, di it's a different dynamic to Jewish people because they say, you're Jewish, of course. You should be doing this. But when my wife comes and says, no, I'm a Ruth. I do it because I, I get to do it. I'm grafted into the covenant. I love it. Then they're like, oh, my goodness. How many people are there like you? I don't know, but there's a lot. And the Jewish people have been waiting for this, whether they realize it or not, because we're going to make them jealous. Because we're going to have the right tree in our house, the tree of light. And they're going to say, but I thought you were, I thought you, I thought you celebrate. No, no, we don't do that one. And we don't, we can't do it. We can't. And I know people, some people do it, and, and some people do it as a way to witness to people. I understand all that. But for us, we do God's days. That's how we do it. And that's how we teach it, save the nations. So now, let me tell you about the Hanukkah story. Let me tell you about the Hanukkah story. And we're going to bring it really fast. The Hanukkah story, it happens between the Old and the New Testaments. 
In that time, the Syrian Greeks began to take control of Jerusalem. And they began to implement their culture and their laws that they made everyone follow whoever you were. It didn't matter if you had a different belief system, a different religion. If they were in charge, you had to start doing what they said. They wanted to assimilate all the cultures. It's brilliant in a way because they know if we could get the people to be one, there's strength there. But if we have these disruptors, and there's been movies about this, you know, there's, there's great movies about this. Um, we won't go there. But um, if we can make sure nobody's a disruptor and everyone does our days and our ways and we can, we can snuff out this Jewish stuff, we're going to have a strong kingdom. They didn't know they were going to have to deal with Mattathias and then his son, Judah Maccabee. They didn't know what they were dealing with. And here's what I want to share with you. The world still doesn't know who she's dealing with. You come from a long line of warriors, of overcomers. Need I remind you? That Abraham himself chose to live in the land of giants. He terrorized them. They did not terrorize him. David's a giant killer. Those 400 men that were with him, they became giant killers. Israel has a history of always overcoming. They overcame the exodus in Egypt, right? I mean, they're, they're going to overcome throughout history. Through the time of, of Haman in Persia, what happens? God reverses things. Last, it's, a, it's, a, it's 1159 miracle. Has anyone had 1159? But God came through for them, and, and God reversed the decree of Haman, and they came out. And when that happened, the fear of the Jews came on the people, and in fact, it was a, it were a, a history, um, it was revival. People fought, wanted to follow the God of Israel because of that. So now let's 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 look at some things. And we looking back now, we're we're telling you the story. Well, you're looking back now at some history of an overcomer that the 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 Judy the Jews overcame the Seleucid, the Syrian Greek armies, in, and rededicated their temple and relit the menorah. And we're celebrating that because they overcame. I want to get this into your, I know it's in your spirit already. I don't like to say it's in your spirit because I believe God already put everything in our spirit. But sometimes we need to know in our mind what our spirit already knows. And what I want to get in your spirit today is only in your spirit... That there is power in the prophetic word. There's power in the promise of God. So the way all the people in the Bible overcame, if they ever, over, if they ever overcame, they're going to always go back to either a prophecy or a promise that God made. And they're going to latch on to that for themselves. 
So in other words, God didn't just do it for them, but now because, Lord, I saw what you did for them, I'm going to latch on to that prophecy or that promise, and I'm going to believe that you want to do it for me because I'm part of that story. That's my blood. You, by grafted in or natural, that's my blood. So if they overcame by a promise or a prophecy, then I can overcome by a promise or a prophecy. And you say, that's crazy. That's ludicrous. You're, you know, you're not, you're not thinking straight. Why don't you just, you're not smelling the coffee. Or you would say it like this. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yes. And I'm going to keep drinking it. It's not really Kool-Aid. I'll say the opposite. You drink the Kool-Aid. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking the milk and the honey of the Word of God. And I'm tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and He's faithful. And you, and you might be thinking, well, Pastor Ken, what about the Holocaust? Yeah, and right after the Holocaust, what do we have? Almost for 2,000 years, you don't have the Jews having a nation and Almost 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years, and a nation was born in one day in 1948, right? In May 1948. Am I getting it right, baby? So did they go through stuff? Absolutely. But in the end, now, there's a place for Messiah to come back to and rule and reign from. That belongs to Jewish people. And they're not giving it up. And it's my prayer that they take all of Gaza. Every bit of it. And they never give it back. It belongs to them. If you, if you look in the scriptures, Gaza belongs to them. David ruled in Gaza. And that's why our pastor who's in Ashdod, he's holding on to a prophetic word that God gave him about that area. And we're a part of that. We sow into that. Okay. So... Just so you, just remember, Hanukkah is not in the Bible, but it's hinted to and it's prophesied about by Daniel, Micah, and Haggai. So now what I want to show you, remember, I'm going to read something. It's not the Bible. It's history. I don't need an email. I don't need a text after service. It says undisputed history. I'm just letting you know it's not just one source. It's not just something I pulled from the internet. So King Antiochus, he was a ruler of the Syrian Greeks, the Seleucid armies, and he desecrated the temple in 167 B.C. And the, the day that he put the swine on the altar was Hanukkah, Kislev 25, just so you know that. Now, so this is what he said. This is, this is recounting what was going on at that time. Look at 1 Maccabees. We're not going to read a lot, but I'm going to just give you two references from Maccabees. Just kind of, and I, I challenge you, when you have time, you can read it yourself, the whole books. 1 Maccabees 142, it says, and everyone should leave his laws. So all the heathen agreed according to the commandment of the king. 
Yea, many also of the Israelites consented to his religion and sacrificed unto idols and profaned the Sabbath. For the king had sent letters by messengers to Jerusalem and to the cities of Judah that they should follow the strange laws of the land. They forbid and forbid burnt offerings and sacrifice and drink offerings in the temple and that they should profane the Sabbath and festival days and pollute the sanctuary and holy people. Set up altars and groves, chapels of idols, sacrifice swine's flesh and unclean beasts, that they should lead their children uncircumcised, they should make their souls abominable with all manner of uncleanness and profanation. To the end that they may forget the law and change all the ordinances. Now remember this is between the Old and the New Testament. About 160, 70 years before um, A.D., right? And whoever would not do according to the commandment of the king, he said he should die. So if you didn't do what King Antiochus said, off with your head, right? Your, your history. And he made the people had one law, but the one law was not the Torah. It was his law. And these are the six things that he basically said you should, you should do. You shall profane the Sabbath, which means do whatever you want on the Sabbath. You shall profane the festival and holy days, which means you don't keep God's days. You set up idols. You eat unclean animals. You, you don't circumcise your tongue, your sons. And you forget the Torah. It's funny that, he, that these are the laws when I grew up, for, grew up as a Jew, I learned about God and his ways a little bit. But I remember once I gave my life to Yeshua, I basically was told, you don't need the Torah anymore. Jesus changed everything. Everything's new now. You know, I, and it's like I didn't realize that basically we were doing the same thing that Antiochus wanted. It really happened. And that's why, that's why the book of Hosea says, they counted my law a strange thing. So now when I, tell, when I tell people about the way we're walking, they're like, wait, wait. We don't have to do that. So I said, I don't go there. I say, you get to do it. You get to do it. And one day you're going to want to do it. Then you're going to love to do it. Then you're going to be like me and you say, I can't live without doing it because it's life. Now, for some of you, like, this is new, but this is the playbook of the enemy, and it's, it's basically happened to the entire world. And, and I know there's something going on in Broward County in the school board that they're trying now to get the Bible out of the schools because people are offended because it's what? They don't want God's law. Because what is God's law going to say? It's going to defy Everything we're doing right now and everything, this is acceptable, this is good. And you, you know how hard it is to stand up for that. So now, Mattateus, he's not going to put up with this. He's going to make his stand. In fact, if you read Book of Maccabees, you're going to love this guy. You thought Mel Gibson was cool in, in some of his movies. This guy, he didn't play. 
When they tried to make him bow, he, didn't, he not only didn't bow, he killed the guy that, that, that tried to make him bow. And the guy that was bowing, he, he killed him. Oh, this guy did not. He's like. Okay, first magazine. Pastor Lisa and I watched the movie Golda. I would challenge you to watch it about Golda Meir in the, in the Yom Kippur War. And she was basically like that. She didn't play. And that's why Israel's still here. We've got to have leaders that won't play. First Maccabees 2. Look at this. In the meanwhile, the king's officers, such as compelled the people to revolt, they came into the city Modin to make them sacrifice. When many of Israel came to them, Mattathias also and his sons came together. They answered the king's officers and said to Mattathias on this wise, Thou art a ruler and an honorable and great man in the city. Remember, he's a priest's son. And strengthened with, with sons and brethren. Now therefore... Come thou first, fulfill the king's commandment. You be the first one, like all the heathen have done. Yea, and the men of Judah also, and such as remain in Jerusalem. So thou and thy house be in the number of the king's friends. You want to be friends with the king, of course. And thou and thy children shall be honored with silver and gold. They're going to pay them off. And many rewards. Just bow your knee. Don't be Jewish. Don't bow. Just be like us. Then Mattathias answered and spoke with a loud voice. Though all the nations that are under the king's dominion obey him and fall away every one from the religion of their fathers and give consent to his commandments, yet will I and my sons and my brethren walk in the covenant of my fathers. As for me and my house, we will serve. Right? Joshua. God forbid that we should forsake the law and the ordinances. We'll not hearken to the king's words to go from our religion either on the right or on the left. Now when he had left speaking these words, there came one of the Jews in the sight of all to sacrifice on the altar, which is his Modin, according to the king's commandment, which thing, when, oh, this is it. I, I didn't know I was going to read the whole thing. When Mattathias saw, he was inflamed with zeal. His reins trembled. Neither could he forbear to show his anger according to judgment. Wherefore he ran. <laughs> and he slew him on the altar. And also the king's commissioner who compelled men to sacrifice. He killed at that time. And the altar he pulled down. And, and now, but here I want you to see the power of prophecy, the power of the promises. He's going to start quoting scripture. Thus dealt he zealously for the law of God, like as Phineas did unto Zambre, the son of Salome. And Mattathias cried throughout the city with a loud voice, saying, Whoever is zealous of the law and maintains covenant, let him follow me. He and his sons fled into the mountains and left all they had in the city. Interesting. Are you willing to leave all to follow God? They left their stuff. The Jews during the Holocaust refused to leave the nations they were in because they were too attached to their stuff. They could have got out. Think about it. We got to be willing to leave our stuff. Your stuff doesn't matter. God can give you new stuff. He can give you better stuff. They fled to the mountains and they left what they had in the city. Then, then many that saw, look at this, what's going to happen? Just like David had 400 mighty men that came to him in the wilderness. They were in debt. They were in distress. They were discontent with the current situation. They came and found him. God's going to bring people to us when we do what's right. Many that sought justice and judgment, they went down to the wilderness to dwell there. For three years from the time the temple, so this is what I wrote. From three years from the time the, the altar was desecrated. 
Three years they spent in the Judean desert. And they, with the people gathering to them, they begin to fight. And there are times as many as 25,000 army of the enemy. And they won every battle. Except for the one I told you about where they didn't fight. I don't know if that counts. So Judah Maccabee in 1 Maccabee 2, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but he's about to die. And when he's about to die, he's going to put his son. So we've got to have a son. We've got to have a daughter. We have to have a child that's going to carry out and go. When we can't go anymore, we've got to have somebody that's going to take the baton. And he charges his son and he says, listen, and he begins to recount the way what God did, did all throughout history. With Jonathan, with David, he begins to recount all the victories. And he, he charged them basically to follow my lead, but hold on to these promises. And I want to challenge you today. Hold on to the prophetic promise that God gave you because it will not fail. If you hold on to that, that word, you know, Isaiah says this. It says, my word will not return unto me void until it accomplishes that purpose which I sent it to go. Hasten your word, Lord, to perform it. We got to hang on to that prophetic word because that prophetic word, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, um, it's going to bear fruit. Another way of saying it, it's going to eventually shine with God's light. The light is going to shine again, but you can't let go of the promise. You can't let go no matter what. So if you read the book of Acts, do you understand that the congregation was persecuted? The congregation was scattered. Why? Because they believed in the God of Israel. And the more they persecuted him, tell me what happened. So persecution is not necessarily bad. Persecution is a way for the light to shine and for it to spread out further. If people like you, you're probably not, you, you, I mean, if everyone likes you, you need to check your walk. And you know the Bible says, when all men speak good of you, look out. Because you're going to be wounded in the house of your friends, just so you know. Just like Yeshua. But let me show you this, this last scripture, and then I'm going to show you what, I want to show you how we're going to let this light shine. And I, it blew my mind when I saw it. I was praying one day, and I saw this, and I hope you'll receive it. But I want to show you the power of a word of prophecy. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 19. Furthermore, we have the reliable prophetic word. Look at somebody and point to them and say, you have the word. Tell them it's reliable. See, this is what Matthias knew. This is what he passed down to Judah. You have a reliable prophetic word. You do well by paying attention to it. What did God tell you? Either in a dream, a vision, a prayer, or you read the Bible for yourself. And when you read that Bible, something jumped out at you and you said, that's for me. It's reliable, and it says you got to pay attention to it. you got to hold on to that word that God gave you because that word is not going to return void. Now, look what it says. Look what, you're not going to believe this. Look what it says. It's going to tie into Hanukkah. You do well pay attention to it as a lamp shining in a dark place. 
until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. You got to hold on to that word. You got to pay attention to it because eventually that lamp's going to shine in the darkness. Now look what he says. Above all, understand this. No prophecy of scripture comes about from a person's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever brought forth by human will. This is telling you the divine inspiration of the scriptures. Rather, people spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. So you recount the miracles of the past and the promises of the word that happen, and you continue to speak in them. Let the people think you're on drugs. It's okay. They thought Yeshua, they said you're beside yourself. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's doing miracles. He's walking through, you know, crowds. He held on to, he said, I have food to eat. You don't eat, you're not eating. He's eating the word. You give your testimony. Why do you give a testimony? You give a testimony to affirm and encourage the next generation of overcomers. If God's done anything for you, this is the season to talk about it. Start telling people, hey, you know what? I was about to lose my house, but God came through. Hey, I was going to lose my marriage. God, came. Whatever it is. I needed a financial miracle. I didn't have any money. Somebody knocked on the door. I can still remember. So you guys don't, you see Pastor Ken and Lisa now, but you don't know what we've gone through. Because whatever you've gone through, I want to tell you, I got, I, I got more scars. We can have a competition afterwards. I'm, listen, I'm not proud of this. I'm teasing totally. But I'll never forget, we, were, we, didn't, know, we didn't have money. And we had, we had leased a car that was a lemon. We had waited or, or bought a car, I think we bought it. We had saved money, we, we had some money that we had saved and believed for a car. And some people had helped us. We bought this car, it promised a certain amount of gas mileage. I'm not going to tell you anything more about it. But it didn't have that gas mileage. I was like, how could they flat out? And you know how this is, what can you do? It said on the sticker, you're going to get this amount of mileage. It got half. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I went hybrid. They told me to get a hybrid. I paid $10,000 more to get this hybrid. It gets worse gas than the regular. And how I know that is my friend got the regular one. He's happy. And I'm just going to testify, this is, to me, this is, you know, there's, there's a lot of times God will do a hidden miracle or a small miracle. But it's those small hidden miracles, it's just to let you know, God says, I got your back. I'm daddy. I'm with you. I see. Just like God saw Joseph in the pit, in the prison. And getting to Egypt, he gave him a hidden miracle. He just made the, instead of the spices smelling bad, he gave him a good spice trip down to Egypt. Sometimes just uh, let him smell something good. Hallelujah. We needed a certain amount of money, I think, to pay our rent. We didn't have it. It's the day before. We lived in a place that you, one of those places, I don't know if you know, there's some places you cannot be late. If you're late, the, the fees are crazy. They don't play. A few days, you're starting eviction. I mean, that's how, I mean, these places didn't play. Under my door is a Federal Express. I'm like, this is crazy. No knock at the door. 
I go to the door, see this Federal Express, you know, the Federal Express envelopes, open it up. It's a check for the amount of money that we needed, and it was from the company that we had bought the car from. And it's like, they were, quote, I guess they were apologizing. I don't know what they were doing, but I had my money to pay my rent. And I'm just testifying that God's faithful. We're not in that situation. Uh, listen, that was years ago. We're not in that situation. But I know what it's like to be in that situation where we had to have a miracle. And God gave us the miracle. So tell of it, tell of it. You've got a testimony. Tell of it. Tell somebody what God's doing in your life. And if that, if I just told you that to let you know that when you're at the lowest, at, you, at the low, that God can make a way where there's no way. Okay, so let's just close it out with this. Put that happy Hanukkah menorah up. Put that happy Hanukkah. Put the happy Hanukkah more. Okay. So the menorah... You can see it has nine branches. It's not the same as what we have here, which represents the menorah in the temple that has seven branches. The Hanukkah menorah is called a Hanukkah. It has nine branches, and the eight, there's eight branches that stand for the eight days that the oil lasted when they purified the temple and they needed enough oil to relight the menorah, they didn't have really enough holy oil because it's a special process to get that pure olive oil. But what they did is they used what they had and they lit it and the miracle that happened is that lasted eight days. But we have an extra candle. We have a, a ninth lamp and the ninth lamp is called the shamish and the shamish is the servant candle and the servant candle really represents the lord represents yeshua because the, what the servant candle does the servant candle is used to light the other candle so if yeshua is the light what does he do he's the light but he lights every other day of our life if you will he lights our life with his light so there's nine branches now put up the next graphic. Put up the next graphic. So I, they didn't, I guess they, no, go back, go back, not that. Go back, go back. Uh, you know, go back to the one where, go back to the, the one that has no, no words on it. It's the same one. You had it for a second. You just had it. The one right after this. Put it up. It looks like a tree, but it has no writing on it. You just had it. Just go back to it. There, leave that. Leave that. Leave that. Thank you. Thank you. Don't give my, don't give the, the whole thing away. One of the understandings of the menorah in the temple is it was fashioned to be like a tree. You have a center trunk. You have branches. I'm talking about the temple menorah. You have branches that came and everything in the, the temple menorah had to be beaten out of one piece of gold. It could not be attached. It was formed from the center branch. Again, the center branch being Messiah, being the Spirit of the Lord. And in temple times, if you go with us to Israel and you get to come to Magdala with us, which is the site of the oldest um, synagogue that is really believed that Yeshua was at. 
there's carvings of what a menorah looked in stone. And they have the, but the carvings are replicas because they don't want people to steal the actual ones. But they have the actual ones. And they have the replicas of what a menorah looked like in the temple. And it's a lot, it's a little different than what we see that would be in the second temple. This menorah would, would have the, the, the seven lamps. But on the bottom, it was not have a regular base. The bottom of the menorah would have three prongs, if you will, that were actually to look like roots of a tree. And if you ask them, what, well, what would that stand for? They would say, well, that's the root of our faith. That goes back to the patriarchs, Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, because we don't have a light without Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I think that makes sense. I think there's other ways we can look at it. But what I'm, all I want you to see is that in the Hebrew or Jewish understanding, and I'm using them interchangeably today. I know there's a difference, but just today I'm using them just so you understand. Whether you're Jewish or Hebrew, there's an understanding that the menorah is a tree and it's a tree of light it gives light in front of it so now think about that if we take that metaphor and we think well the writers of the new testament did they have that understanding did they know about this hello they're jewish the writers are, right? They're scholars. They're, they know the history. They know when you're talking about a menorah, a lamp, they're thinking about it being a tree, having branches, having fruit, having leaves. So, before you put that, so, you can just, so this is what came to me when I'm praying. When Paul is talking in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, could he be referring to the Hanukkah menorah? Because the Hanukkah menorah has how many branches? Nine branches. And could Paul be thinking the fruit of the Spirit? And I don't know if you've ever realized this, but the fruit of the Spirit doesn't fit on the seven. Okay, put it up. Because the fruit of the Spirit is nine branches. And I'll, and I'll just throw this out at you. If you want your light to shine this Hanukkah season... And not only Hanukkah, but throughout the rest of your life, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, whoever. Then look at the menorah that I've got up there and look at it in relationship to the fruit of the Spirit. This represents the Spirit of the Lord. The Hanukkah, you probably can't see it from here, but the, the nine fruit of the Spirit... What should we be shining with? Love. Oh, wait. This almost seems like another holiday. Hold on. Joy. Peace. 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, I might like this in a minute. So, okay, don't like it. If I'm going to shine the menorah, see, you can have the menorah. Remember, what's the first place Hanukkah is mentioned? In the, uh, Abraham's train service, their disciples. If you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to be a real follower of the Lord, you're going to dedicate your life to the Lord, you start in your home. But it's not just about having a physical menorah in your home. It's about being a menorah. You be a tree of light. You show love. You show joy. You show peace. I don't know. I can count them all. You guys know it by heart. Patience. You see, I need to work on that one. How about you? I'm working right now. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is your homework. Genesis 5.22. Guess what? It's a homework for your rest of your life. Be a Hanukkah menorah. Be this fruit of the Spirit nine branch menorah. And let's change the world because the world's not used to this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self And you know what the Bible tells us? It's the fruit of the Spirit. And I can argue with this. Is it one fruit or is it nine fruit? I don't know. Thank you. I think it's all the same. It's not a fruit of your soul. It's a fruit of your so you bring your soul under subjection of the fruit. Of, see, your soul doesn't want to be loving all the time. It doesn't feel joy, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, all those things. But we bring our soul and we allow the spirit. Hanukkah is the time to rededicate you, your family. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray for just a minute. I'm done with preaching. I could go on forever, but I think you've had enough. You got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. So, Lord, here we are. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Yeshua is the Messiah, the shepherd, the stone of Israel. If you've never accepted the Lord, if you've never confessed Yeshua as Messiah, you read the New Testament. And I know every Jew that's ever read it, they're told don't read it. But once they read it, they're like, oh, this is Jewish. This is a Jewish book. Yeah, 70% of it comes right out of the Old Testament. I mean, it's so much quoting there. It's not really new. It's a renewal of the covenant. And the only difference is the covenant is made personal for you. It's like now you know he's not just Abraham's God. He's not Isaac's God, J Jacob's God, or Joshua's God. Now you know through Yeshua, through Jesus, he's my God. He's my God. He's my shepherd. He's my king. I want to challenge you to give your life to Yeshua. But don't just say this prayer. Learn more about him. Follow him. Find out what he wants to do in your life because I know it's bigger than you and I both would even imagine. You might 
be here today and you're thinking, Pastor Ken, I didn't even know Hanukkah is so important. I thought, you know, it just, it's just a minor holiday. Yeah. I, I know those, that terminology I, tef, I definitely want to disrupt because if you do the least of the commandments and you teach people not to do the least, it's really dangerous. So I don't think this is a least commandment <laughs> at all. So let's not start, let's, let's throw away that language of minor and major. We just need to be doing what God said. We just need to follow him with all our heart. But I want to use this opportunity. Be and I'm doing it with you. I want to shine the light of the fruit of the Spirit. I want, I want that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that gentleness, that meekness, that faith, that, that self-control. I want it to shine out of me. Let's use this opportunity. And, you know, I, we, we do this every Shabbat. We, we ask God to forgive us. And we, we, we wash our hands with water. We say, Lord, if we've, if we've touched anything, if we've, if we've held on to something we shouldn't have held on to, for, Lord, we repent of it. We, we ask, Lord, wash our feet where we've been. Wash our mouth what we've spoken. If, we've, if we said the wrong thing, don't. And we, we ask, Lord, take the wa water, uh, wash our eyes that we would see right. Wash our ears that we would hear right. Our mouth, we would speak right. Our nose, all those things. Use this time of dedication for you first. Because you got to be a Mattathias. You got to be a disruptor. And what you do, you're going to be able to transmit to your kids. You're going to, you're going to, you might say, Pastor, you don't know my family. You're going to be able to transmit it just by you operating in that fruit of the Spirit. People are going to say, What is up with you? So let's pray right now. Father, here we are. We present ourselves at the altar. We come before you. Forgive us our sins. Wash us with your blood. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, if we said things we shouldn't have said, if we've done things we shouldn't have done, if we've gone places we shouldn't have gone, if we've looked at things we shouldn't have looked at, if we've heard things we shouldn't have heard, Lord, if we've made vows and promises that we've not kept, if we've not lived the life you've called us to live, Lord, forgive us. We rededicate our lives, our temple to you. Lord, I give you me all over again. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Let my spirit be the example for my soul to follow. I declare you are my shepherd and I shall not want. I confess with my mouth. Yeshua, Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead on the third day. Jesus, Yeshua, come into my life. I give you me. Take out the old. I repent. I turn from sin. I want you to give me a fresh start, a clean slate. I'm not going to look back because I know you're bringing me forward. You're doing something new in my life. And I give you praise. I give you praise. Lord, I thank you for the armor of light on each person today. As you put on, just say, I put on Messiah. I put on his clothes. I put on his light. 
You're putting on his armor. You're putting on his skin, if you will. The skin that God had for you back in the Garden of Eden. He's bringing you back and he's saying, through Jesus, through Yeshua, I give you an armor. And you're on the offense to bring the light to the world.